are these athletes actually? Apparently it's not one part of the strategy, gone. Development, it's all we envelop in telephone, a wealth of intelligence. Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships, basking it in, let's study in the conferences. Pac 12 and big, 12 and the 10, SEC, ACC, win, 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 win. It just kind of fades from there, that's good. Yeah, they said like a minute, so. Wait, there's more? Don't forget about the uh, Mountain West, the Mac that can flex, somebody's next, Ivy League fresh, literally dope, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test, G. I'm serious, they will talk about the most obscure players on this planet, potentially another planet, like, dude's got a 4-3-40 from Mars, like, I don't know, I, it's too much, I'm done, I'm gone this time. Like, don't bring it back in. Enjoy your podcast. Welcome back to the Debbie Manual, where we talk about college players and how to use those college players to build a successful NFL fantasy team. So the College to Canton is kind of where we focus on. We'll talk a lot about college players on here. Um, every once in a while, we'll dive a little bit in the NFL, NFL draft, stuff like that. So so I want to welcome everybody back. It's been a, a little bit of a hiatus. I had to take some time off around the holidays to get my, you know, just kind of mental bearings. I don't know if it really worked or not. Um, I think I may have fallen deeper down the rabbit hole when I was supposed to get out of it. But anyways, next I want to introduce, we do have a new co-host, Mr. Joseph Namor. Joseph, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well. How are you, Dwight? I am good, man. Glad to have you on, man. It's, I know I've talked to you a couple times before and Worked with you at DLF and stuff, so I know you definitely know your stuff, and happy, happy, happy to have you on, man. So we're going to hopefully cover a lot of names and, and cover some ground and some, get you guys some names to think about for uh, your heavy teams and stuff like that. So this is the bowl, obviously, we're wrapping up the bowl season right now, so Joseph, all right, so me and Joseph are going to go through some of the bowl games and some of the people that have, you know, their stock has gone up, stock has gone down. Uh, there's some crazy performances. A lot of big names sat out the bowl games. So, you know, some names that I really would have liked to have seen a little bit more of did not play in the bowl games. So, we'll start off with Joseph. Joseph, what what is there? What is a name that really really rose their stock a lot this bowl season? I don't know how much higher his stock could really go, but Justin Fields is the one that stood out the most to me. I know in the little Twitter sphere that I'm a part of. You see a lot of recency bias where people are elevating Zach Wilson to QB2 based on recent performances and what they've seen in mock drafts and stuff like that. And I think Wilson is a very talented quarterback with some desirable traits. But to me, Fields has always been QB2. And his performance this past week against Clemson was really outstanding. I don't think he's a perfect prospect, but I think he's closer to Trevor Lawrence than he is to Justin, uh, than to, to Zach Wilson. And I think what he did against Clemson on probably the, the second biggest stage he could have was really outstanding. And to do it with the injury that he suffered, I, I don't know the severity of it. It certainly looked bad, um, but to bounce back and continue delivering downfield strikes to Chris Olave and the rest of the receivers there um, was something that stood out to me. Right. The, the number two talk, the number Zach, I love Zach Wilson just about more than anybody in the whole entire universe, but he was never feels was always number two for me. 
what I wanted to see, what my biggest knock of his was, is you would see, you know, everybody says he holds the ball a little too long, which is, you know, still something he needs to work on. But I did, never saw that killer instinct, you know, that ability to just take over a ball game. And that's what I saw against Clemson. And that, that's what I was most impressed about, to watch him bounce back from that injury, you know, and just the, the laser focus. You know, you, that's what I want in my quarterback. That, I want to see that. You know, I don't want to care about – I mean, I do care about mechanics and all that stuff, but I like to see that, the mental side of the game. And that's what I was missing from him. And I loved, love seeing it, man. That, that gritty performance, you know, that's that's what I want. That's my QB. Man. That's what I want, man. So, Yeah, there, there's a lot of things you can coach, but that is not one of them. So to see that on one of the biggest national stages that you could have really cemented QB2 for me. And I think... Uh, some of the the things you've seen from fields in the past that could be considered concerns, um, like his processing or not really progressing past the first read. I don't necessarily think those are huge issues, but I think when you look at the scheme that Ohio State runs and the way Ryan Day is able to scheme uh, really talented receivers into open space, you don't really have to progress past the first read a lot of the time. And what we saw against Clemson is him um, reading the field, taking time. And, I mean, to be fair, he had a lot of time in the pocket. He was not really pressured much at all. The Ohio State offensive line did a great job of keeping him upright. But he, he was outstanding in all facets. I don't really have much of a concern of his processing. I think he's he's not a one-read quarterback. He can do it all. And his mobility, when he's not really hampered by an injury like the one he suffered last week, is what makes him such a strong fantasy option as well as a real life option. Right. I think the one read thing, he also answered that too, by the way he was finding his tight ends. Right. That was, it was nice to see him hitting the tight ends. You know, the tight ends are usually your, your third read, you know, or, and he was, he was also holding it as long as he could, then that pocket would collapse and he just dump it off to sermon, you know? So it, there was a lot of, a lot of improvement in one game where, where against Northwestern, he looked, yeah, you know, and like so, it was it was nice to see on that huge stage. Speaking of Sermon, he he's another one who made himself just a ton of money in the last couple games. I mean, watching him come out of it seemed like out of nowhere. I mean, he's always been kind of there. You know, he was he got a you know a decent amount of touches in Oklahoma his freshman sophomore year, and to see him really emerge this year. I mean, these last two games. I mean, he had 29 for 331 yards against Northwestern, which is insane, and then 31 for 193 against Clemson. And, I mean, he just – he's really made himself a lot of money on two really huge stages. I'm still a little bit mixed on him as a prospect. I think in this running back class, though, he can easily go in that top six or seven uh, just because of how muddled, you know, the, the after the top three. I mean – my top three is is Etienne Harris and Javante Williams. I think is that where you're at, Joseph? Or yep, same three names. Right, and but then that four through ten is is pretty you know open. So Sermon's definitely made him made his name on the list. I think before those two games, he would have been ten twelve for me. I mean, so I really like seeing it. Why I'm mixed about him? I do like his hands. I think he's he's as smooth as a pass catcher. He's got he's got good speed, but his acceleration's not. Like elite, he has good balance through contact, and he showed pretty good vision in these two games. But I do want to also notice that there was 
like you mentioned, the offensive line, there were huge holes for Sermon to run through also. Like, there were a couple plays where, yeah, he had 331 yards and almost 200 against Clemson, but there were times where I could have ran for 20 yards through that <laughs> hole that was open. So not to take it away from him, you know, he definitely, there are some things that I really liked about him, but he's not a perfect pros- prospect, And I, but I think he might have vaulted himself into day two consideration with those two games, so. I like him. I've always liked him. Um, I was a big fan of his after his freshman and even sophomore seasons at Oklahoma. And I think what we saw towards the end of his tenure there where he was rotating in and out with Kennedy Brooks, a player I view as clearly inferior, although talented in his own right, not really an NFL caliber back, was a little confusing. So I was excited at first when I saw that Sermon uh, was transferring to Ohio State to play alongside Justin Fields, work with a dual threat quarterback that can open some rushing lanes and to see him healthy. And I think what we saw at the beginning of the season uh, is that he, he just wasn't healthy. Um, and I don't think I really realized how banged up he was until these last couple of games where he's clearly back to a hundred percent is maximizing the rushing lanes that he's been given. Um, but I think he, he's a bigger back with prototypical size that's able to run between the tackles well. He has very good contact balance, which is uh, something that I I look for in running backs. And I think at the very least, he'll be an effective short yardage and goal line back with the opportunity to lead a committee. I don't really see him as a three down back, not because I don't think he can do it. I just don't think he's going to get the draft capital and, and the role. But I think he could be the leading part of a committee, and I think in the right offense, that's a that's a valuable player. Yeah, he's got pretty good size at six one two fifteen. You know, he's definitely got some things there that could work right for him. And and he did feel like he was almost on on the verge of breaking out several times in his career. So it was it was nice to see. Even but even this year, he only had four touchdowns with almost a thousand yards. So right. a little scary. He you know I would like to see a little more. Although his sophomore year, he had thirteen touchdowns for Oklahoma. So. All right, is anybody, is there any other name that stood out? Just real quick to touch on Ramondre Stevenson. Oh. Um, he, I mean, he's huge. I think he's like 250 <laughs> pounds almost. Um, God, he doesn't oh, run like it. Wow. No, I mean, he. I don't think he's very fast, but he has very, very quick feet. And I'd like to see the change of direction and agility from some of those bigger guys. Um, he was a Juco back. He rushed for over 2,000 yards at Juco, and um, he he's great in pass protection from everything I've seen. He's a strong runner. He's not a big guy that runs like a finesse runner. He's a, he's a powerful back um, with good agility for his size. So, I mean, similar to what I said about Sermon, I think Stevenson's a guy that would be very effective in short yardage situations with the upside for more. I think he's a capable receiver, although not really much of an asset in that sense, just because I don't think he can really maximize. He's not a mismatch player. You can't really put him out in space and expect him to win one-on-one. But I, I think he's a capable pass catcher, and those are guys that will ha- will get a role and be worth something. And I think in the right offense, similar to what I said with Sermon, I mean, we saw this season with all the COVID stuff and all the injuries. I mean, there were guys on the – fringes of dynasty relevance that were very effective for extended periods of time. And I think Stevenson's a guy that even if he doesn't get drafted into the perfect situation, um, could be someone that's 
uh, worth monitoring long term in Dynasty. Yeah, talk about size, man. Six foot, two hundred forty six pounds, and he he. But the boy, yeah, like he said, he he likes to hit people, and I like how the physicality. But then his his feet are so nimble. Like he cuts cuts, and I mean, what did he have this last game? For some reason I didn't write it down. He had like eighteen carries for one hundred ninety yards or something. I mean, it was against Florida. Who I mean, shoot, Joseph, you could run for two hundred yards against Florida, but. uh Still, I mean, it was still pretty impressive to watch him run. So he had a couple really long runs where you could kind of see he had pretty decent speed, you know. So uh, definitely a guy who I think he was probably in my 12 to 15 range, you know, going into this season, and he's made himself a ton of money. You can see him going day two, day three also, so probably more likely early day three. But we got to at least mention him for Felix Sharp because I know Felix Sharp loves him, <laughs> so. My next guy that I want to talk about, we'll go back to another quarterback, and that was JT Daniels, and he was a guy that was really highly regarded when he went into USC, had kind of an up-and-down freshman season, and was thought to take a step forward his sophomore year, and then he got hurt, and Keaton Slovis took over, so he said, screw it, I'm going to Georgia. So, And then we all kind of thought, and I don't know why he didn't play earlier, I would be kind of curious to pick the brains of the coaching staff there, uh, but he has looked really, really good since he came in. He's hit 400 yards once. He threw for 392 against Cincinnati, who has a really good pass offense, actually. So I was impressed with how much he spread the ball around. Um, he really pushes the ball. He's a guy that can make plays. Uh, because he's not the most mobile quarterback in the world. He's not going to rush for 30 yards or anything like that. He doesn't, but he moves well enough to keep plays alive. Um, but he's definitely not a runner. Uh, he needs to work a little bit on his accuracy, things like that, and mental processing, obviously. But I tell you what, in the four games he played this year, he looked pretty darn good. He played Mississippi State, South Carolina, Missouri, and Cincinnati, so he didn't get to play you know, the Alabamas, the LSUs, or anything like that yet. But it's exciting for Georgia to have a good quarterback that is willing to push the ball downfield and hopefully get them their offense a little bit out of the Stone Ages because that's kind of it seems like the only thing they've been missing the last couple of years. They've had this defense that you know could really raise some hell, but then – you know, their passing offense has been just kind of, eh, functional, yeah. So, I don't know if you got anything on JT. I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of him at USC. I'm still not a huge fan, but I think what I saw this year, I'm a little bit more optimistic about his future outlook uh, than I was coming into this year. He's not, he's not very athletic, um, which is a pretty big concern for me from a fantasy perspective because I think – Pretty much all the guys you see excelling in the NFL right now, at least from a fantasy perspective, are mobile. And I think he has good pocket mobility, but isn't really an asset in any sense as a a pure runner. So um, that concerns me a little bit. He has a very big arm, which is exciting. Accuracy can be erratic. But I think, as you mentioned, the ability to spread the ball around um, is exciting. Uh, been a huge George Pickens fan for the last two years. And I think yeah. just seeing him at the beginning of the year not be able to get anything done uh, with Stetson at the helm and seeing what he was able to accomplish with a more competent quarterback was very exciting. So I think Daniels will be a, a very good college quarterback. I think he can be an effective backup at the NFL level uh, with room for more, but I'm not sold on him at the moment yet. Right. And speaking of Pickens, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but that's another name that 
your your window is probably going to be stop growing <laughs> going into next season because he's going to have a monster if JT stays at the helm. He's going to have a hell of a year. And to watch these guys, they've got a couple other really good receiving threats that are going to finally get to see some numbers. I'd love to see Pickens put up the numbers that we think that we know he can. I mean, I think he can be an amazing, amazing college receiver given a, a quarterback can actually throw it around a little bit. So, yeah, I think his, his by-low window, if – I mean, most people will not part with George Pickens that really know how talented he is, but if you have people that aren't as astute in that, definitely try to get Pickens because he, he's going to blow up next year, I, I have a feeling. So is there any other names you wanted to talk about, Joseph, for guys that rose up? Just real quick, I mean, in terms of draft-eligible guys, I think Zach Wilson, we've already mentioned him a couple times. Um, I think he he had a very strong performance in his bowl game. He hasn't faced many talented defenses this season kind of struggled at times against the the couple good defenses he did face uh did manage to shred san diego state uh looked okay against uh coastal carolina but he looked very good in the bowl game which was very exciting and then for some um some of the younger guys josh downs the uh north carolina wide receiver uh didn't get to do a whole lot this year Uh, he was a player that i was expecting a little bit more of this season true freshman but with Diami Brown declaring for the NFL draft and not participating in the bowl game, uh, Downs showed up and showed out. So he's he's a guy that um, I expect to be a absolutely massive uh, campus to Canton uh, performer on the college side over the next couple of years with the potential to grow into a, a strong Debbie asset. And then Devon Achain, the uh, running back for Texas A&M, wasn't really on my radar. I knew the name, had seen him a little bit. I knew he was a sprinter in high school, but the the pure speed he showed in that game was pretty phenomenal. But the contact balance and the strength um, he showed on that like 75-yard touchdown run he had towards the end of that uh, North Carolina game was something special. And I know Isaiah Spiller is considered a consensus top two, three running back for the 2022 class, which is decent at the top. But I think a chain... Is a little undersized at the moment. I think he's like around 180, one yeah, somewhere in that range. But I think as a sprinter, he he has the potential to put on some size, especially on the lower half. Um, and is someone I, I want to keep an eye on. A chain. I just want to call him A train from the boys. I don't know if you <laughs> do you watch that or not. No. <laughs> I don't know. I just happened to notice on our, on our campus, the Canton one that I run. Uh, Jay has a cane and a downs, actually. So I was curious who had downs because that's one I tried to get in our auction. Uh, yeah, he's next year going to get all of Sam Howell's attention because um, yep. Daz is gone too. So, yep. he, yeah, that's another guy who's in for a monster, monster, monster year next year. So he also has a buy low window, and he's, he might actually be even available in some leagues. I mean, he was a four-star, but still, you know, so – I like that name a lot, and I, I can't talk anymore about Zach Wilson. I've reached my limit for the <laughs> – um, but, yeah, he looked amazing. So another game, another not draft eligible. Uh, you did want to mention Carson Strong, too. Carson Strong had a hell of a game. Gosh, I can't, let me see if I can find it real quick. Real quick. I was super impressed with Carson Strong. It's a name you had mentioned in pre-show, so definitely don't want to forget about him because he's looking like he could be – is he 2023 or he could be 2022 that's right because he yeah, actually yeah. thought he, he could actually, come out this year yeah. yeah he was eligible this year i just saw that he um he's not so declaring no, for yeah. this year which i think makes a lot of sense oh God, um, yes. yeah yeah 
So um, I think we'll see him in the 2022 class. Um, he is just a redshirt sophomore this year, I believe. Right. Yeah, um, so he, he can play another two seasons. I would expect him to come out next year, though. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah, he he was phenomenal in in that bowl game. Yep, he threw for twenty one twenty eight for two seventy one and five scores against Tulane, which I think I mean I know it's not an elite defense, but I think they have a pretty solid defense. So his numbers on the year are crazy: seventy percent completion, twenty nine hundred yards, twenty seven touchdowns, only four interceptions. Uh, another guy who's not. He's not a danger to run, but he's mobile enough in the pocket to where he doesn't take a lot of sacks and things like that. He uses his feet well, things like that. But he's not a guy who's going to take off and run for 30 yards also. But, yeah, he, he's a name to watch for sure. He uh, One of my off-season buys. We'll, we'll go deeper into him. And oh, Of course, there's always a couple downs. I, I didn't have a lot of downs. Uh, I didn't. I'm not by nature a negative person. I, I don't like to say this guy sucked, you know, but um, we, <laughs> this is not who I am. I, I, don't, I have trouble even when I'm writing, writing bad stuff about people. Um, <laughs> I, I know that's part of our, our game though. We got to do that. So who, who had a, I think there's one obvious one, but you can go ahead and talk about him. Who had the biggest, who took the biggest hit in the bowl season? You think? Yeah. Uh, and it's a player <laughs> you just mentioned. You're not the most, uh, you're generally pretty positive. Kyle Trask is a guy that I have not been a fan of at all, especially before this season. I think this season he was doing um, a pretty good job of, I mean, he performed from a pure statistical standpoint. He was outstanding this year, but his performance in the bowl game was horrendous. And you can point to the fact that he didn't have uh, Kyle Pitts in that game. Pitts, one of the single best receivers. I know he's listed as a tight end put him at wide receiver and he'd still be a top five three talent in this class so he didn't have him i don't think trevon grimes played in this game um huge grimes fan or tony either yeah yeah so i mean that's his three top weapons this season uh not available for that game and it showed trask is a guy that to me isn't mobile and doesn't have a good arm so i don't really know where that leaves you he throws a catchable ball, which is something, uh, I mean, he has good touch. He's able to vary his velocity in the short and intermediate windows. And he likes pushing the ball downfield. He just doesn't have the arm to fit it into NFL windows, in my opinion. So I think before this game, you saw some buzz about him going in the first round. I don't know if that's going to happen. And even if it does, he's not a player that I really want any part of. To me, I think his absolute, absolute ceiling is like Kirk Cousins, and I think more likely is somewhere in the Nick Mullins range, um, which for someone getting first-round buzz is really not something that you you want to hear. But that's kind of where I'm at on Trask. And I think to see him perform without a player that's probably a top-10 lock in pits and a player getting first-round buzz in Tony that can separate at ease, create yards for himself after the catch, in a player that's a competent red zone weapon uh, with good size like Grimes, uh, you saw his deficiencies kind of show out a little bit. And he tried to play a little bit of hero ball and make plays for his team, which I respect. And I just, he, he couldn't get it done. So Trask is a faller for me. Um, he was already at best my QB6, but I think I'm going to move him down a spot or two. Um, so that's where I'm at. I don't know what you thought, what you thought of that performance. 
Yeah, I really like your comp. As a, I think his upside, his ceiling would be Kirk Cousins. You know, like he could be an all right quarterback. You know, I he did have a couple games this year without Pitts. I was looking it up real quick. He had great games in him. I mean, he threw for three hundred eighty three yards and six touchdowns in one game. I mean, he definitely, yeah, he's definitely had. I mean, it was Vanderbilt. You know, sorry, Travis May. Um, but you know, it was Vanderbilt. Uh, so and he had another game too, where he threw for three fifty three and four touchdowns. I mean, he's he's had games without Pitts before. I don't know. He, it's a guy like I wanted to like him. I definitely did because he definitely made, uh, made a hell of an improvement this year. And there's some things you like on tape. There's definitely some things you don't like, though. Like you said, he does. He's not the most mobile guy. I, ugh. Like even when I watch Kirk Cousin play, he just he's vanilla. I don't know. Does that sound like he's just very, eh. you know, he doesn't. He makes good throws, but he doesn't make those great throws he's going to need to make at the NFL level. And I think he could be an okay quarterback. I mean, he. I mean, in, in today's league, I mean, shoot, I think he could find a spot on a team. You know, the next couple of years, he's, you know, maybe an NFL staff can coach him up a little bit. You know, with a guy who's really good at quarterbacks or something. But I think, yeah, I, I like your comps though. Kirk, I think, is is the absolute ceiling. But I could definitely see him falling in like the Mullins type of trajectory as a good spot starter, and that's about it. So yeah, and I don't want to be too critical because I know he hasn't really had much starting experience at all even dating back to high school because i'm fairly sure he played behind dr king in high school uh which is just ridiculous um <laughs> like imagine playing that school i just in terms of an nfl offense i think he's he's a smart quarterback who knows where to go with the ball i don't think he right. makes a ton of mistakes i just think he's as capped as a quarterback could be and i think if you're a coach that's known for developing quarterbacks and getting maximizing talent he's probably the last guy you'd want because <laughs> you'd want to maximize a guy with traits that's super inconsistent like a desmond ritter and try and turn him into a star rather than take a guy that's pretty much maxed out already from a physical standpoint so i, I think in the right scheme like a shanahan scheme i think trask would be effective in distributing the ball in the short and intermediate windows but beyond that um he's not really a guy that I have much interest in. Just a curious here. Um, here's a list to start. Would you take him over Teddy Bridgewater? Just curious. No. In an offense? No? Okay. Drew Locke? That's, That's a that tough one, tough isn't it? Because I don't like Locke <laughs> at all, but Locke pushes the ball down the field and has the right. arm. I, probably because I, I don't think Locke is a long-term starter, but I don't know. It, that That one's close. Teddy's Derek, also close. Derek Carr? <laughs> I prefer Carr. Yeah. I think I prefer, I prefer Carr, but I, I definitely think he could be – I could almost see him following in that Carr range as far as talent as well. You know, I, I don't know. I think he throws a little bit better of a deep ball than Carr, but a lot of the other stuff he doesn't do. So, yeah. Just curious. I just went through a list of the starting quarterbacks real quick. You know, just kind of think of some guys that – Sam Darnold, what do you think? Daniel Jones? I like Darnold a lot more than Jones, even still. I'm, I do too. I, I don't. I'm, it'll be interesting to see what the Jets do because I think they'll move on, but I am curious to see Darnold without Gase because I think. I mean, he's still just 23 and he's gotten absolutely yeah. shafted oh, absolutely. from an, an offensive line and weapons perspective up until this year. So, we'll see. Um, from a dynasty perspective, I think depending on where Darnold is. I'll probably still take Darnold. Daniel Jones, I think dynasty value-wise, will be worth a lot more than Trask for, 
as a pure quarterback, I'll take Trask there. Right. I like it. Yeah, those are just some teams that I can see right away that might, you know, I still think Trask should not go to the first round, but definitely I think he could go day two type. You know, mm-hmm. if one of those teams miss out in that first round, you know, they decide they don't want to go quarterback, you know, maybe it's a good option in second, third, you know, that a guy that can sit behind, he need, he definitely needs to sit for a couple of years. So yeah. uh, if you, you can't drop, can't grab Trask expecting him to start year one, that's just, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> I, I don't even I, – I, I don't know what you feel, but I don't even – as much as I love Zach Wilson, I don't think he starts year one, too. I don't think you can put him in right away either. No, I, him or Trey Lance. No. Uh, Mac Jones, maybe, but I still think I would rather have Mac Jones sit a year, too. Yeah, like, I think know, Jones, Yeah, I think Jones could start day one, but I think he'd probably benefit from not – I just – I think he's probably close to maxed out as well. I think, I think he's so, yeah. somewhat limited. I, I like him for what he is. And I think of those three, he's probably the most, the one I'd be most confident confident in starting uh, from day one. Right. I think he needs to follow the right system. I think Andrew Harbaugh mocked him to uh, New Orleans, and I would love that. Like yep. Mac Jones in New Orleans, I think that's a really good fit. Yep. Um, especially if Breeze can come back. Even if Breeze doesn't come back, that's they have enough weapons and enough around him to hopefully mask his growing process, <laughs> you know, like to allow him to grow a little bit and not, and still you know mask the inefficiencies because he's put up crazy numbers, but he's also had a, a silly, silly offense, offensive right. line, running back, Heisman reward. We'll talk about Devonta in a little bit. So yeah, all right. Anyways. Enough about the Trask and the other quarterback. So the other guy that was a down for me is Zamir White. And I, I just I don't see it. I want him so badly to be, you know, what he was supposed to be. It was Zeus, five star running back coming out of running back you in Georgia. And I just I just don't see it, man. Like I don't know if his stock was up or <laughs> it probably wasn't very high. Uh, I still see some guys, every once in a while you'll see a analyst, you know, take him pretty high, you know, like in mock drafts like the sec early second you know stuff like that he's still zamir white and i just i just don't see it man I, I don't see the quickness the decisiveness he looks slow i think he had a couple decent runs against cincinnati because i heard i'm for some reason blanking out on the exact even though i've watched the game three times now um but i remember somebody on twitter saying zamir you know and i'm like I don't remember seeing a run like that during that game, so um, somehow I must have missed that in one of my three views. But I, I remember seeing a lot of just like plotting slow runs. He, he doesn't; he's just not decisive enough, fast enough. I, I just don't see it, and, and it sucks because he's got so much talent, or he did. <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know if you got any feelings on Zamir. Or... I, I like him more than you do. Um, I still, I mean back-to-back years tearing um, opposite ACLs is just absolutely brutal for a running back to come back from. And I think what I wanted to see this year was have him show some of that explosiveness that he had pre-injury. And I think we saw some of it. I don't think he's back. Um, I, I think if he was 100% this year, then I'm a little bit concerned uh, just based on what we've seen from other running backs that have followed similar injury trajectories like a Todd Gurley, who was a transcendent ta- talent that really has dominated the league and then fell off a cliff in the span of three to four years. I don't think White is the same talent of runner. Um, I think he could have developed into um, an elite talent 
had he stayed healthy, he didn't. And I think where we're at now, he's probably, um, to me, he's probably like a fourth round NFL pick at best. Um, I think he's an early day three guy. Um, I think it honestly may help his stock if he goes back to school. But then if he goes back to school, then you're, you get one less year of him at the NFL level, assuming he has a limited shelf life given the condition in his knees. And that's something that's a pretty big concern. Like if he goes back and he dominates and he's a first round rookie pick and a second round NFL pick, but he's 22 and he gets three good years in, is that really enough to make him valuable? I don't really know. So White's a guy I have a, I have a very hard time valuing. I think he's probably going to end up in my running back eight range and something that's not really a, a super strong class, which sucks. I mean, like right. you said, I mean, he's a guy that I want to root for. I think at times this year, you saw some of that explosion in power. Just real quick on a side note, I, I'm in a super flex um, mock draft with uh, John Hogue and Todd Gurley went in the 15th round. I was like, holy crap, 15th round. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just I, I mean, crazy those... to me. I mean, do you have any other downs you want to talk about or get back into more positive? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I mean, there were, I mean, Talon Wallace was a guy that I wanted to see more of um, in that bowl game, especially considering uh, one of the other receivers on the Oklahoma State team absolutely blew up and it wasn't him. I mean, he's a player that I like a lot but has been injured uh, a bit in back-to-back seasons. I know he came off the ACL this past season. I don't know if he's a day two guy in the actual NFL draft. I think he probably should be based on everything we've seen on tape from him. I just don't know if he is. And if he's not, then I'm probably completely out on him. Um, But I think he had six receptions for something like 50 yards in the game, which is fine. But given the way that offense performed, I think I expected a lot more of him. So not really a, a down, just a slight disappointment for me. Right. He's a guy who, man, in a lot of wide receiver classes, we would be but just this wide receiver class is so crazy. And he had a couple games this year against, and he had 11 catches for 187 against Texas, you know, it was Texas Tech seven for 129. But then he was real quiet a lot this year. And I really, yeah, I really wanted to see a lot more from him too. I think his talent is, far more than what he's put on the field this year. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that, man. And I, I don't know. I don't have this on the show notes. But we'd be a little bit remiss if we didn't mention Devontae Smith winning the Heisman. I thought that was amazing to see a, a wide receiver finally win a Heisman. And I don't know what you think of Devontae Smith. I love the kid. I, I just think he's a guy I'm really rooting for in the NFL. You know, I see all the people about the size, the four-year breakout, the old blah, 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 you know, and I'm like, the kid is just good. <laughs> He's just good, man. So I, I don't know where you have him, but I, I just kind of wanted to mention him real quick and see what you thought about him. Yeah, I mean, I think he's an absolute stud. Um, before this, like, recent tear, I think I had him at wide receiver five. I think I, I have him at two right now. Chase is still my one. I'm not coming off of that no matter what happens. It's not a take lock thing for me. I think Chase is transcendent. I think Smith is a, an absolute star. I'm not worried about the size. I know BMI Twitter will come after me. Breakout age Twitter will come after me. I, I use all of those. BMI not so much, although it's something I, I look at. Breakout age, market share, 
uh, all of those things are tools I use in the evaluation process. Um, but for Smith to dominate the way he did is just, it's outstanding. And he plays much bigger than he is. I know he's like 6'1", 175. I don't think there's any way he's even 175. Like, dude is a string <laughs> bean. Um, he is. But he, he plays big. He Like, I'm not comparing him to Antonio Brown, but the way AB used to, like, box out defenders, go up, pluck the ball out of the air, that sort of my ball mentality is something that Smith shows on tape all the time. And he creates separation at will. He's not a pure burner, but he has good speed, elite quickness. And I mean, there's, there really isn't anything uh, to dislike about his game. So uh, I think he's a top 10 lock in the real draft. I think he's probably no worse than wide receiver three or four in this class uh, at the worst. And uh, I'm, I'm in, I like him. Yeah. Yeah, someone pointed out that he was the ex- the exact same size as Marvin Harrison was at his age, and I'm like, wow, I, I, Marvin Harrison's like one of my favorite players of all time. You know, like it was amazing. I didn't realize they were the same size. But like you said, if you watch the All 22 of Devonta Smith, that kid is open all the freaking time. Like, yeah. like he creates it at every level, different moves, different. Like he uses hip moves, head fakes, everything. He's always freaking open. And I just say, yeah, I think he's going to be amazing. So it was just neat to see somebody else win the Heisman. It's fun to see that type of, you know, just something different. Kind of a crazy season. So speaking of Alabama, I'm kind of curious, what do you think about this title game we got coming up now? We got Ohio State and Alabama. Like, you know, the Ohio State that people said only played six games and didn't even belong in the BCS, you know. Throttling Clemson. (laughs) Just throttling them. Defense looked good. Offensive line looked good. But they're but Alabama's a different beast. I mean, they're they're not the they do have a lot of talent on the defensive line, much much more than Clemson. I think Clemson has yep. a couple highly yeah highly regarded guys. But I'm curious to to see if honestly can they slow down Alabama Alabama at all? Because Sean Wade was Sean Wade was getting abused yep. against Clemson. <laughs> like, so I, I don't know. Like I, they just feel I feel like Alabama's got that locked in. They just feel like the locked in team of destiny. Not that Ohio State's going to roll over. So I'm just curious, what are, what are your thoughts overall on this game? Like, what are the keys to the game? What do you think is going to happen? Like, I mean, I think Alabama's going to win. It's kind of hard to bet against them at this point. But, I mean, I, I never thought Ohio State was going to throttle Clemson the way they did. I thought it would be close. I actually bet them to win. So um, from that perspective, it's it wasn't an absolute shock to me. But the way they did it was a shock to me. I don't think their defense is a dominant unit, but they shut down the number one overall pick. I mean, the difference between Clemson and Bama, I mean, there's plenty of differences, but Alabama has elite wide receiver talent and Clemson doesn't. I mean, their number one receiver this year was Amari Rogers, who's fine for what he is, but Cornell Powell was a guy who did nothing pretty much all year in his fourth or fifth year of school and uh, and you compare that to uh the heisman trophy winner and jalen waddle who will probably be back who i like more i liked more than smith before his injury as waddle was my wide receiver two of this class at the beginning of the year and then you've got guys behind them like john mechie who i think is uh top six receiver next year so 
Mac Jones is not in the same stratosphere as Trevor Lawrence, and I don't think it's fair to even compare them. But I think the overall talent on the offense is probably – I mean, it's just going to be very hard to shut down all of their receivers on every play. And I think Sean Wade is a guy – I'm not an IDP guy, but Sean Wade needs to move back inside because he just <laughs> I don't, he cannot hang on the outside against explosive players. So I, I think in terms of keys to the game – It'll be whether the Ohio State secondary can hang with Smith and the gang, whether that includes Waddle or not. And we'll see. I mean, I think the, the other obviously massive part of this is whether Fields shows up again, whether he's hampered by his injury or if he's fine. What we saw against Northwestern was the lack of Chris Olave hurt him a little bit and the residual effects from that thumb injury that he had kind of limited him more than I thought they did when you saw Olave back and the thumb not as much of a factor against Clemson. So I'll probably take I'll take Bama to win depending on the spread. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I'll probably take Ohio State to cover, but it'll be fun. Yeah, right, now it's, right now it's at eight. Crimson Tide are favored by eight right at this point. Over under a 75. Shoot, I think I would take that. Jeez. <laughs> I think I would take the over on that. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think the uh, the only way, like you said, the secondary, I think the other key is the is the line. You know, can that mm-hmm. – Mac Jones has not had a lot of pressure, and he doesn't move very well in the pocket. He moves okay. And if they can they if they if can get after those like they got after Lawrence, I mean, it it could be – it could they could cause a lot of problems. Like I, I can definitely see them causing Mac Jones a hell of a lot of trouble. You know, if they can get to him as consistently as they were doing, but Alabama's got a really good offensive line too. No, they're missing their their a couple starters, but I mean, they they just slide in another five star behind them. So I don't know. So <laughs> yeah, that's what Alabama does. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that should be it. Should be a good game. I hope so. Um, yeah, I'll never root for Ohio State, but um, it'd be kind of fun to see him beat Alabama too. <laughs> so all right. Um, all right. The last thing I just wanted to go kind of off the cuffs right now. Uh, this is kind of a time of the year when everybody kind of steps back and goes through their rosters, your, your C2C teams. So I just wanted to know, Joseph, you and I both have probably a dozen C2C leagues between each other. Uh, I think we're probably in three or four, I think, together even. So <laughs> so if you don't want to give away too many things, but uh, like, what are you doing right now with in your campus to Canton leagues? Like, What are you focusing on? What's your strategy at right now? Like, What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, well, this year is just so much different than any other that I've ever seen for myriad reasons that everyone's aware of. Uh, But all my Campus to Canton leagues this year voted to roll the buy-ins into 2021. So I actually didn't play in a single college league that had a season this year. And I think because of that, there was so much less activity on the college side than I usually see um, in nearly all the trades, at least among the leagues that I was in. Uh, were people opting to move college players for NFL production, which is something I did in our shared Heisman to Hollis League on multiple occasions. There, I mean, there were trades where I was conceding a huge amount of value just to get another guy I could plug into my starting lineup. Like I think I tra- I moved Bijan Robinson for Chris Carson, which on the surface is an awful trade, but I used Chris Carson every week while he was healthy. I won the championship, so I'm happy with it. Like things like that. Yeah. But I think to circle back to your question, um, what I'm doing is taking a look at vacated production 
I think there's a lot of analysis out there in the Devi space. And in recent years, like especially with the boom in popularity of the college to Canton uh, format, I think we've seen an influx of analysts diving a little bit deeper than we had in years past. But to me, the clear edge right now is the college production side of these C2C leagues. And I don't know if it's the case universally, but at least um, Devi seems to be more prevalent in the fantasy football Twitter circle that I'm involved in. So I think because of that, most of my league mates are more in tune with Devi value. So we see Devi players, um, like the highly regarded guys, drafted early and often in the drafts that we have every year. But something that I do uh, each season is look at vacated production. And if you look across some of the highest scoring offenses in the country, they don't even need to be well-known programs like Arkansas State's receivers, as an example. If you look at who's either graduating or declaring for the NFL draft, and then look at who the players on those depth charts are that um, stand the most to gain from an increase in playing time, um, that's really an easy way to um, gain an edge in those leagues. Because I think there are there, the fun thing about them is there are so many different strategies that you can take. What I tend to do, and you said I didn't need to share a lot, give away my strategies. What I usually do um, is I'll use my first couple rounds on some of those big name recruits that I know will draw a lot in trade, even if they're not huge college producers. Uh, best case, you get a little bit of both. Uh, but Bijan Robinson is an example of a guy I took in the first round in a couple of leagues this year. So after those first two rounds, really, um, the rest of the rounds of that, like rook combined, whether it's a combined rookie and Debbie draft or just the Debbie side, I'll just try and fill out my college production. And I've found that uh, over the years, even with some pretty significant names that I can use to bolster my NFL side, I've been able to compete year over year on the college side as well, just by like trying to leverage either head coach and coordinator stats and data if it's out there or just looking at um, who the big producers are each year, whether they leave or not, and then who the next guys are. So that's just one of the things that I like to do uh, each spring as the season comes to a close. I don't know um, what you think about that or what you like to do. That's definitely something where I need to grow as a, as a, as a Debbie owner. Like I'm definitely more of a tape guy. You know, I listen to all the guys that have the analysis, the guys that think um, the vacated targets is something that is, is getting, like you said, it wasn't I think even two years ago, it wasn't even heard of, you know, for somebody to even track that in college. And now I'm drawing a blank. I think, I think Rotoviz, I think Travis has his fingers in that too. Travis may, I believe just the more, the more of the analysis side, like you said, the offenses that are losing, you know, the, but always throw a lot like our, like Arkansas state's a great example, losing Jonathan Adams. And yeah, so that's something I definitely need to get better at right now. I, I'm kind of just stepping back a little bit, you know, I'm, it was a lot quieter. It's funny you traded. I traded a Kyron Williams for Chris Carson, so I would love to have that back because <laughs> because yeah. I didn't. I thought it was going to help me down the stretch, and it didn't. So <laughs> I still lost in the first round of the playoffs. So like, I, it didn't work. Can I get Kyron back now? <laughs> so no, but yeah, that's you know there wasn't many of those this year. Not like not like your normal ones. So yeah, definitely trying to take a step back and look at the analysis side more. And that's something I hope that me and Joseph can bring a little more to the table. Um, I like to educate myself a little bit better 
I know um, DLF's got a, a lot of great guys that do that. I think Peter Howard's even done more with the college side, if I remember right. And I'm trying to think he was he was doing some of that. And then, you know, I, I notice and I, I'm at the NERS now, but Matt Bruning does a lot of that with running backs. And like, I, I want to get in my, get my head around some of these guys that do that, you know, and, and try to be a little better as far as that. So, because I, I, I like watching tape. I mean, that's, you know, I break down a lot of tape, watch a lot of games. So that's what I like to do. I don't, sometimes, which is funny because I love statistics and I love numbers. I'm the guy who used to, you know, make my own player cards when I was in, you know, 10, 12 years old. I would draw football cards and write the little statistics in and add up. You know, I've always been a number. I killed statistics in college. You know, I love that type of stuff, but I've never really dove into that side of the analysis or like, you know, what we do. So it's definitely something I'm trying to do right now. Trying to, really hard to not get any more campus, college to campus leagues, but I probably will. I dropped a, bun- a bunch of my regular leagues just because I love college to campus so much. So that's definitely what I'm doing right now. Just kind of trying to step back and get a little bit of a a better jump on things. I'm hoping we have a spring this year, spring games, you know, stuff like that to help us. It, it was such a weird season, like just such a weird season. So. Are you getting any any into any startups? Or are you kind of hanging back for now? I'm sure I will. Um, <laughs> I I try not to leave too many leaks. Um, right. I already I left one because I think uh, quarantine hit and I overcommitted, so I left one. I'm trying to pretty much maintain all the commitments and obligations that I I made to people when I joined the leaks, but. I, th- I'll probably join one more league. I'm going to be very selective about what it is, though. Like, um, obviously, a huge fan of the campus to can format. Maybe it'll be one of those. Maybe it'll be just a, a deep Devi. It, it'll have to have some sort of Devi component to it because those are really the only le- the leagues that I, I'd like to join at this point. Unless there's other funky stuff going on <laughs> that I haven't seen anywhere else. Yeah, there's there's a lot of these leagues that are doing crazy stuff, man. Like recruiting and all kinds of neat stuff. I mean, after I took over a team in the in the program league, are you in the program? I'm not one or two. Yeah, it is. Their their recruiting makes our recruiting and and my league look like 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 I'm playing with like Duplos and they're playing with like tactics like like like, a, like it is way complicated way cooler than ours like I, I like ours it's simple which is kind of what i was going for i didn't want to overwhelm anybody but yeah so like there's some leagues doing some crazy stuff and that that's what i run into and, and like i got in way too many leagues in quarantine i told myself i was going to cut back and then i ended up joining like 10 more leagues so it's like dang it you know quarantine everybody got all bored and stuff so i don't know i took on some orphans and I always I don't leave unless I can make a team. But if if I made a team better and I felt like I gave it a good shot and I didn't kill their future, then I'm okay with leaving, you know. But I try not to do that also as well. So let's wrap that up, Joe. We're pretty much at the mark where I like to be, right about forty minutes. So, Joe, can you let everybody know, or Joseph, can you let everybody know what you're working on right now. What's what you got going in the works? Yep. So um, got three rookie profiles coming up soon. Um, Trevor Lawrence. Terrace Marshall and Devonte Smith. So touched on Smith a little bit today, Lawrence as well. But uh, Terrace Marshall is a guy that I'm a big fan of. So looking forward to diving into some of his tape. Impressed in 
limited action even um, alongside Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. So uh, yeah. I know it was a historic offense, but he, he's a guy <laughs> I like a lot. And then the other huge project that I'm working on is my top 100 rookies article. Um, so wrote it last year for the first time, trying to create both a, a one quarterback and super flex board like I did last mm. year. And I'm hoping to update it again pre-draft. I think what I saw last year is I had some nice hits in um, both iterations of that. I had James Robinson as a top 50 player, even pre-draft. Some of the guys like that that I felt pretty good about had some pretty big misses, like the first 100 players that I pumped out um, in like late December. Didn't even have Antonio Gibson in there. So <laughs> that's a miss. Um, but, I mean, uh, for a guy that had like – 33 touches um just wasn't 79. really on my radar. 79 come on i i know i know so i mean <laughs> gibson was a guy who at the end of the pre-draft process <laughs> like the day before the draft i think i had in like as my 14th overall player so once i saw him he was a guy that uh popped a lot but that's the uh, that's the big thing I'm working on. Looking forward to getting that out there um, sometime in January and hoping to update it again shortly before the draft. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's definitely a, a must read. I always enjoyed reading that. And then the the player profiles are, are one of the you know just fun, easy things to write and read. You know, there a lot of information in a little, little short little space. So you can find Joseph. I don't know if he mentioned it. He's on Twitter at jnamore. J-N-A-M-M-O-U-R-24. Make sure you look him up and in. He didn't say it. I don't know if you said it. D-O-F. So, nice league football. Better be <laughs> subscribing to it. Anyways. All right. You can find me on Twitter at FFPeoplesChamp. Uh, working at the Dynasty Nerds. Uh, we got player profiles coming up, too. And mainly focusing on video. That's been my thing lately. I, I love cutting videos. And, you know, we have a, the Debbie Manual. has its own video channel now. I got 100, 100 subscribers. I... I, I I felt like a superstar when I hit a hundred, man. So, <laughs> and my, then my daughter showed me her TikTok, which has like nine thousand. I'm like, shut up. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, I don't like you. Like I, I felt awesome because I had a hundred. Um, so, anyways, prospect videos over there, and yeah, that's it. Uh, we once again, this is Devi Manuel. You can find us on Twitter at Devi Manuel, and we will talk to you guys again very, very soon. Hopefully next week after the championship, but if not, the week after. I'll talk to you later. Don't forget about the Mountain West, the Mac that can flex. Sunbelt is next. Ivy League fresh. Literally dope. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. I'm serious. They will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. I, it's too much. I'm done. I'm gone this time. Like, don't bring it back in. Enjoy your podcast.